Welcome to the NZ Sales and Marketing Insider, the podcast where we pull back the curtain and speak to the brains behind sales and marketing activity that has delivered real results. Get inspired and get actionable ideas by hearing what they did and how they did it. Brought to you by me, Ben Rose, along with Gorilla Technology. Welcome to another episode of the NZ Sales and Marketing Insider. I'm your host, Ben Rose, and today we're speaking to Alex McNaughton, all-round sales expert and chief revenue officer at Sales Leaders. Alex set up Sales Leaders in 2018 after realizing there was an opportunity to bridge a gap in the B2B sales capability space. He's worked with over 70 Kiwi and Australian businesses and trained hundreds of founders, executives, and sales professionals to increase their sales performance and generate new revenue. Alex's background includes various sales roles, including sales director at international technology company Optimizer HQ, director at Change Generator, a social impact advisory firm. Alex is currently working as virtual chief revenue officer at some high growth tech businesses you may have heard of, including Orchestra, EnrollMy and Channel. As if all that wasn't enough, Alex has just started a sales recruitment and training platform, Apprento. Alex is passionate about the science of selling and his motto is be positive, confidence is contagious. Thanks for joining us, Alex. Thanks for having me on and what an introduction, goodness. Well, I mean, it's down to you. You seem to have done quite a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's been a busy few years. Um, I guess everything I'm doing is all kind of tied to one key goal, which is raise New Zealand's selling capability um, because, and, and, and in doing so, help New Zealand tech become our number one export. We've got super smart people in this country building mm. awesome stuff, but one of the key things holding us back as a nation is our ability to, ability to sell at scale. Um, you know, I think Kiwis are awesome at selling within their networks, right, right. But often struggle to go beyond that, and that holds a lot of companies back. And we're leaving millions of dollars of revenue on the table every single year. So, so what's behind that? Why do you think we're particularly bad at that? <laughs> um, I've talked to so many people about this, and the, probably the most common thing that I can kind of put my finger on is. New Zealand is a small place and it's easy to do business because you're always close, you know, within one or two degrees of separation mm. from a potential customer. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is cool when you're selling here, but if you're selling internationally, it gets harder. So your specialty is helping people scale overseas, is that right? Um, so I help people kind of in two key areas in, uh, w- with sales leaders. So I help them build sales and revenue operations yep. um, for scale. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then I help them build actual selling capability. So coaching founders and teams on how to how to build teams, how to manage them, and then how to actually sell, uh, but all B two B. So so let's let's start at the beginning then. So how did you first of all how did you um, identify there was a gap here, <laughs> and then how how did you end up doing what you're doing right now? Cool, good question. So I worked across a mixture of startups and like big US multinationals. Okay. And through that journey, noticed just the difference between how the Americans were approaching selling and mm. then how us Kiwis were. Yeah. And I saw this play out kind of badly in one company in particular, who I won't name. But long story short, I got frustrated. I left. Mm-hmm. Um, but I saw like all these problems and, and all the revenue they were missing out on. They actually started going down. And so I decided to do something about it. I was having coffee with a buddy of mine who's based in Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. We were talking about the state of the tech sector and he does a lot of work with Sequoia. Right. And our reputation over there is awesome. And sorry, for, li- for listeners who don't know what Sequoia is, Sequoia Capital? Yes, yeah, Sequoia Capital. So one of the best 
venture funds in the world, one of the yep. most successful. Yeah. And our reputation over in the valley is smart people, mm. awesome innovation, can't scale for shit. Excuse right, my French. Right, right. Um, so he was like, dude, you should just do something about it. Uh, so that's basically over that coffee. That's kind of how my business started. Awesome. And so I'm judging by the fact that you're, you're pretty busy, that there's a, there's a real need for it, right? It's It seems to be. Um, it's interesting, actually, because I, I spoke to Callahan and NZTE as well, just as I was starting out on this mm. journey. Mm. And sales was the first, if not second, thing that founders were always asking for help with. It was always one of the most commonly requested areas of help. And I just saw this massive gap that no one... You know, yes, there are sales training and, and like awesome companies out there who've been in the sales space for a long time, but I saw this gap in terms of the actual scaling sales functions piece, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. which goes beyond and and how you bring technology into that to scale fast. Yeah, and yeah. you know, I guess to break it down, like an American company will have their sales and revenue function set up in such a way that their one person is doing the work of like three Kiwi reps, mm-hmm, sometimes mm-hmm. sometimes ten, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. just because they're operating at just a different level. Right, right, right. Mm. So, so let's let's talk about I suppose the role the role of sales. Um, fundamentally, let's peel it back to um, what what role does sales play in a business, and what should founders be thinking about when when starting out? What role does it play? Well, it's what keeps the lights on, yep. you know. So yep. sales is is what feeds the revenue engine. You know, if you don't have sales, you don't really have a business. You know, unless you're very very well funded and have an extremely long runway, yeah, which yeah. is <laughs> which is rare. Um, there so, seems to be a lot of trepidation around sales, though. A lot of people feel that's not my thing. I don't quite quite get that. Yeah, it's. Have you encountered that? It's a little bit of a dirty word sometimes, and I think maybe people have had bad experiences with sales mm. in the past mm. or there's this negative stereotype of and I hate to pick on the car industry but like the used car salesman yep. Yep. Um, you know so there's that kind of stereotype associated with it um, but I also think that if you look at a lot of tech companies certainly so if mm. I look at a lot of the companies I've worked with mm. they're founded by product people yep. um, who are really good at product and build cool stuff mm. but then sometimes struggle to then translate their skill set into selling or they just don't know how so and you know often when you don't know how to do something you put it off yeah yeah, yeah um because it's it's easier and you just focus on what you're good at yeah so i think that's part of it and how do you how do you coach people you're working with to kind of get over that sales is a dirty word mindset <laughs> I, I try and reframe it so you know selling is actually all about helping people right so you've mm-hmm. got a problem yeah maybe and maybe i can help you with that problem and if I can't help you with that problem, you know what? That's cool too. But all of that starts with the way I teach people how to sell is it's all about understanding who you're speaking with. Mm. So understand the company, understand the person. Yep. And if you can really understand them, that's half the battle. You know, if you can understand their problems, their world, what their goals are, um, then if you can help them, then cool. You can, you, you know, now you have permission to sell to them. Yep. But yep. if you yep. can't help them, you know what? Qualify out. Get to know fast is always what I teach people. You know, like if you can't help someone, leave it. There's so maybe, plenty so maybe of people people's, can help. people's bad experiences with sales are where someone's tried to sell them something that doesn't add value to them. That's right. And that's the that's the difference between, a, you know, someone pushing something that you don't need versus true sales. That's right. Um, a lot of people think sales is like persuasion and influence. And yes, that comes into it. But, mm. I, you know, if you're a good sale is not where you're trying to persuade someone to buy from you. It's where they actually want your help. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah, And when you start approaching sales like that, 
a few things happen. One, sales happen faster. Mm. Um, you have to discount a lot less because you're not trying to use these pressure tactics to get someone to buy from you. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, you'll probably like a lot of the clients, especially the founders I work with, who were perhaps a little bit nervous about selling beforehand, mm. start to really enjoy it. Um, you know, and when when they start doing like big six and seven figure deals on their own, mm-hmm. um, you know, after a few months of coaching, they're like, oh, okay, this isn't so bad. Yeah, 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 you know, yeah, I can awesome. do more of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so there's that side of it too. So earlier you used some words that some of our um, listeners might not be familiar with. You were talking about sales ops and revenue ops. Mm. So what does that mean? Cool. So sales ops is how you structure your sales organization, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that encompasses various processes it encompasses the people in your team but it also encompasses the bits of technology that um kind of piece it all together yep. so it's kind of the whole holistic view of your sales organization revenue ops kind of goes a little bit beyond that and then that starts to look at marketing as well mm. so revenue ops is sort of combining sales and marketing yes um okay. and making sure that they're a cohesive unit all about generating revenue so it seems like a no-brainer that sales and marketing should be part of the same process but hmm. you encounter that to be not the case or um yes is the short answer to that question um for sure like often sales and marketing are butting heads so really simple things like sales like moaning about marketing giving them crappy quality leads yep. or sales are, or marketing's complaining that sales doesn't know what to do with the leads yeah, yeah, you know yeah. there's that kind of almost confrontational culture now that's mm. wrong it shouldn't be that way the sales and marketing are two sides of the same coin really we're all working in, towards the same goal of we're trying to get clients into the business, yeah, yeah. right? So um, when I'm working with companies, I'm always trying to include marketing in that conversation mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. when we're all working together, it's so much easier. Yeah, correct. If, you know, sales teams are feeding back to marketing, hey, you know what? We keep getting asked about this. Mm-hmm, Can you create us a piece of collateral to solve that? It would save us so much yeah, yeah right yeah simple example mm. but i've worked with companies where you know sales <laughs> on the ground were getting like for, for six months getting the same objection marketing had no idea about it and as soon as we just got them in a room talking together it's like oh okay we like, why don't we create a video or a piece of collateral to solve that yeah and you yeah, can yeah. just deploy that earlier in the sale so so what are some simple tips that you know listeners who who have potentially sales and marketing people working maybe not as closely <laughs> as they could what 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 sort of things could they do to adri- understand if there are issues and address them get them in a room together like communicate it's yeah, that simple yeah, yeah. but you know sometimes as leaders of an organization you have to create the environment where that can happen mm. um so KPIs are often quite uh, quite different. When you really peel back and look at KPIs in marketing versus KPIs in sales, sometimes they're not that similar. Yeah, that's know? the other side of it. So sometimes um, aligning marketing with KPIs that maybe are more sales-focused can be a good thing. Mm. Um, so, for example, getting marketing to look at like quality of leads not just volume of leads mm, mm, so mm. how many of these leads are actually converting. Yep, yep. So, But that all starts with getting them in the room together. Nice, nice. All right, well, look, Alex, let's let's... Look through, you know, I'm looking at your background and I'm there's a lot of companies there um, in the tech space. I'm really interested to understand, I suppose, what other businesses can learn from, from tech companies in terms mm. of sales and marketing. What do they know that others might not in other industries? Um, I don't think it's that they know stuff that others don't. Um, I work with a lot of professional services companies as well, actually. Mm, mm. So not just tech. Um, but what can they learn? I suppose 
it all comes down to there's probably like five things that if you can do any anyone who's selling b2b should think about if mm-hmm. they have mm-hmm. a have an organization it's like what's our sales process is it mapped out is everyone doing it the same way do we have a consistent way of taking someone from lead mm. through to paying customer and yeah. then ongoing for the next you know hopefully many happy years yeah right and why, and why is that important um because it's got to be rep- if it's not replicable how can you scale it yep if everyone's doing it differently mm. well one it's really hard to measure what's working and what's not yep. um but two you can't ever scale that so if you don't know what the process is and you're the founder of a company you're trying to get bigger mm. you know trying to grow your organization if you haven't mapped the process how can you expect anyone else to come in yep. and replicate even half of your success yeah, and this right. is one of the big challenges that founders always have when they're transitioning from founder selling to building a team mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. big companies have this as well by the way this is not just a small company problem yeah, yeah. big companies see this all the time where their processes are all over the place and they'll have one team selling like this one team selling like this or one yep, yep. you know anyway I could go on that's probably another podcast okay sorry. You know, so number one map your process. process number two um, get clear on the actual activity that you need to do to win business so what do I mean by that um, work backwards if your target is say let me just use simple numbers let's say your target is 100 bucks a week yep. um, figure out how many spe- people you need to speak to mm-hmm. to get $100 a week of sales so mm-hmm. let's say you need to speak to three people to get $100 of sales for one sale yep. okay work backwards from that how many people do I need to reach out to to get three meetings yep. you know so really go to that granular level of tactical detail mm-hmm. um, and if you do that then you'll know what levers to pull and when you're first starting out it's kind of hard because you're just kind of figuring it out you're kind of you know yeah yeah, yeah. Um, figuring out you know what are these metrics but you've got to start somewhere but um, yeah so start looking very closely at activity mm-hmm. across your team or if it's just you in terms of what activity you need to do yep. and then actually measure it that's the third thing is measurement so measure what you're doing. If you're not measuring it, you can't improve it. So if you start measuring what you're doing, you can then get a much better picture of, okay, what do I need to change? What's mm-hmm. not working? What's working? Mm-hmm. Right? Um, fourth thing is ongoing enablement and ongoing training. So big and small companies um, don't do this enough here in New Zealand. So... You know, what big companies often do is they'll bring in a sales trainer like me and I'll come in and do like, I don't know, a few sessions and then I'm off. And that's done. And then that's it for the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So, you know, it's better than nothing. But the reality is, and I've sat through enough of these trainings, mm-hmm. you learn, you, you take away a little bit, but you forget it all three months later. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you've got to figure out your ongoing enablement and training plan. So part of that, for sure, use external trainers, mm-hmm. for sure. But also as an organization figure out what can you do week in week out um as a as a sales leader as a business owner whatever you know whoever you are figure out what you can do to increase um performance so simple example if you're managing a sales team um once a week once a month do a do a do around the room and go over deals that you want and lost and try and learn from each other yeah really simple stuff um good good managers you know often do that sort of thing one of the things I've seen um, with sales teams, particularly when thing, when times are you know times are tough, the, the solution often is just to wield a stick and put the, <laughs> put the KPIs up and shout more. Yeah, you know, I think I think the enablement part of things often is lacking. Yeah, I, I did a article or post about that a couple of years ago, um, 
and it was funny the response is absolutely it's the completely the wrong thing to do mm, mm. when 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 things are going badly that's not when you crank out the stick and start <laughs> yeah. getting really hard on your teams mm. um everyone get together and think okay where are we at what do we need to do to get out of the situation yeah. let's all help each other because well, also salespeople, you know we're, we're we're all quite uh emotional we love what we do so actually you need to nurture that you know because yeah. if, if your salespeople lose their self-confidence at a time when you need them to have it you know that that doesn't benefit anyone right that, that's a real problem and i'll come back to that because there's an interesting point on the whole like who what are salespeople? yeah cool I'll, let me come back to that okay, one sweet. um and number five what's number five I cohesion with the business okay so we kind of touched on that with sales and marketing cohesion mm. but it's even beyond that it's actually overall organizational cohesion because you know you've got the tech aspects of your operation you've got the operational aspects you've yeah, got the yeah. finance side you've got sales you've got marketing you've got all these parts of the business overall cohesion is really important and i think it's often easier for smaller companies to do because there's just fewer people and you're all just you know sitting next to each other in yeah, an office yeah, yeah, yeah. bigger companies often this can get worse um and things can get way more siloed so how do you fix that kind of the same get in a room and talk like mm-hmm. as, as simple as that it's communication yeah. Yeah. um create you know create the environment where you can work together yeah um and often looking at organizational structure and incentivization kind of helps too because, yep. you know, sometimes people don't even realize they're being siloed. They're doing what they think is the right thing. That's right. But actually someone who sits across the hallway, they might be in another team, but actually you need to talk to them. That's right. So, um, you know, I'm, I always talk to founders and, 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 you know, senior leaders. It's like create an environment where people can, mm. uh, you know, can speak to each other. Yeah. And I know yeah. it sounds silly because you kind of expect all your people to be speaking to each other but it's often not the case no 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 quite right um, but I'll, I'll come back to what you just said about salespeople and emotion and stuff mm. it's an interesting one so there's this kind of common misconception that all salespeople are extroverted mm-hmm, mm-hmm. kind of highly emotional ego driven beasts yep. and many of us are like for sure um, but Often the best salespeople are introverts and they're a bit quieter um, and they're really good listeners. So I would say maybe if you look like 10, 15 years ago, extroverts would be your your salespeople. Mm-hmm. Um, these days, process-driven introverts tend to really do well. Why is that? Um, it's, a, it's a big topic, but basically... It comes down to how we sell. So it used to be far more pushy sales. Mm-hmm, so that mm-hmm. suited extroverts because they could just kind of yeah. hammer the nail home, yeah, so yeah, to speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These days, it's a little bit more sophisticated and you need to listen a lot more. Mm. Um, and then the other side of it is because extroverts tend to be more emotional. Mm. When they're on fire, they are on fire and mm. they're having like a killer month. But an, a, a more kind of structured, process-driven introvert can often just in the long run outperform them because if they're having a bad day it doesn't matter because they're just following a process whereas your extrovert is much more um what's the word at risk of having a bad day and tanking a sale so but what do, what do um what do remuneration structures do to that because <laughs> I, you know i would i would have thought that if a you know a, a chunk of your uh, income is at risk mm-hmm. that's going to put the pressure on so that's going to result in different outcomes than if you were on a you know a flat a flat salary so how what are your thoughts on 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 that on remuneration yeah. in general um yeah for sure look remuneration structure will help 
um, it's not the only thing. Mm-hmm. So there's like there's two parts to like I think well more than two parts, but two main parts to motivating mot- getting a sales team performing. There's a remuneration side for sure. Mm. Salespeople tend to be quite coin driven, um, so you've got to think carefully about okay, how do we structure that remuneration to drive the behavior we want to drive? Mm. Um, so without creating un without creating bad behaviors by accident. So I'll give you a really quick example of that. Company I worked at had a commission structure where if you didn't hit, I think it was 70% of quota, in it, and it was quarterly, if you didn't right. hit 70% of your quota, you got nothing. So wow. what they thought was awesome. Everyone's going to work really hard and get all their money in for the end of the quarter. What actually happened is Q1, huge. Q2, shit. Q3, huge. Q4, shit. Right, 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 because people right, right. would sandbag. Yes. Yeah, of course, of course. Because they just wanted to hit their accelerator, so they wanted to get their 200%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah because yeah, it worked yeah. out better financially. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, but no one mm-hmm. had thought that through. Mm-hmm. So you have to be really careful when you're structuring commission plans or any kind of remuneration that you create the right behavior. So that's the first thing. And then the second side is in more in terms of, um, you know, money is not the only thing that will motivate people. So you've also got to look at things like celebrating success in you know within a team, uh, creating that kind of transparent culture where everyone supports kind of everyone's success. Yeah, um, yep. that's really important um, because especially when times are tough and maybe it's you're having a bad month or bad quarter, that's what's going to I think keep people going because mm. just the pure commission check won't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Okay. okay, so. Thinking about, I suppose, if you can cast your mind back to all the different places you've worked, all the different roles you've done, and and, and clients you've worked with, mm. what would be some of the uh, the sales and marketing achievements you've been proudest of in your career that mm. you look back and think that was awesome? Cool. Um, I'd say probably the one I'm most proud of is in the last couple of years I've helped close to eighty companies now generate millions and millions of dollars that they wouldn't have otherwise had awesome um and created a bunch of jobs through that yeah so i'm quite proud of that and that's something i that kind of is what keeps me going and it, it all kind of feeds into that overarching goal I, I i started with um that'll probably be what i'm most proud of and then looking forward to creating a bunch of new jobs and getting more young people into the sales profession through a printo, our new business. So let's talk about a printo because I promised you could plug a printo. So, <laughs> so I, I think a printo is awesome. Um, it, it, it seems so. I'll tell you my take on it, and you tell me if I've got it right. Yeah, please. So it, it feels like there there isn't anywhere really where people recruiting salespeople could go to to get help with the whole the whole value chain, right? And, mm-hmm. and there are a lot of opportunities for people to get into the industry. Uh, there will be through you guys. Is that kind of how it works? Yeah. So there's there's kind of two key. You're right. There's there's probably two key problems we're trying to solve. There's the first one is there's no career pathway in sales. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you know, like, how did you get into sales? I from marketing into right. sales. Yeah, kind yeah, of yeah, like, yeah. but but kind of. It's not like you chose to. No, it's not like you left uni and were like, I want to be a sales guy. Absolutely right. Yeah. Um, and look, between Scott and I, Scott, my business partner, mm. and I, we've sp- spoken to goodness probably like 500 sales leaders in the last yeah, couple yeah, of years, yeah. and no one chose it. Mm, like mm. everyone fell into it by accident yeah. and then kind of stuck around because they realized how awesome it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, Which is madness when you think about it. It is madness. And, and look, I'll use myself as an example. Um, you know, like I fell into it through an internship when I was at uni in my second year of uni and then got headhunted a bunch of times. But, you know, 
none of my friends, all my friends like went into accounting and law and mm, finance mm. and like, more traditional pathways. And then they turned to me and I'm not trying to show off, but just more in terms of this is why I'm still confused why no one gets into sales deliberately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I was like 23 buying a property and had like a new Merc mm, mm, and mm. earning really good money mm. as quite a young person and having mm. a lot of responsibility in companies. Right. My friends would turn to me and say, what, what do you do again? Mm. Like I sell, I sell software. Yeah. Um, so, and, and there's so many stories like ask, that. Did they ask what you were selling at the time? Yeah, but it was just like phew, over yeah, their yeah, head because yeah, yeah, okay. um, it just didn't even seem like a career option yeah, for yeah, anyone. Yeah, yeah. So we, this, you know, so we saw this and we're like, okay, why, why, this is a problem. Like, mm-hmm. why, why aren't young people getting into this profession? And on the flip side of that coin is that when you're trying to find salespeople in New Zealand, mm. it's a tough tough ask yeah, to find good salespeople like you'll have known this to find, good, to find good ones to hard. find good ones yeah, yeah yeah so i guess the premise of it is with apprento is rather than trying to find you know you know wade through a limited supply of existing mm. sales professionals in new zealand is why don't we create a pathway for young people into the profession train them up and get them firing yeah, because that we've you know and this model works overseas so what we do is we find um place and then train young people into sales roles so, you know, we we partner with unis and, and other kind of centers of influence for younger people um, to kind of create a pathway and sa- hold up a flag and say, hey, sales is a cool career. Mm-hmm. Have you thought about it? Yeah, awesome. Um, then we assess them and, we, and we, we, we use a cool piece of software out of Australia called Ability Map that allows us to, um, with a lot of data, we know what makes a good SDR, what makes a good AE account exec, what makes a good account manager, mm-hmm. what makes a good customer success person. Yeah. So we can assess like raw fit of these young people and say, okay, based on your like who you are as a person, you'd probably be a pretty good SDR. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we place them in cool companies and that's when the training starts. So we have a blend of online self-paced learning, um, group facilitated training workshops, and then peer-to-peer support. Um, for their first twelve months, so um, yeah, it's it's pretty exciting. We're, so, we're so, excited about so it. So, people, if if someone knows a candidate they think might be help, might be good for it, or if they're looking for salespeople, where should they go? Apprento.io. Excellent. Of course, it's .io. Of course <laughs> it is. Hey, look. So, Alex, this is this has been awesome. I'm look. We're we're coming to the end of our time, but I think um, the way we like to to end these podcasts is with a piece of advice. If there were one thing that you could leave our listeners with when it comes to their sales and marketing, what would a single piece of advice be that you could give them that they could take away in action tomorrow? Just one. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'll just reinforce what I've already said because it's super important. Um, stop trying to persuade people to buy from you. Um, go out, understand your customer, understand your market. Um and go into every conversation with this kind of open mindset of I want to learn everything about you and if I can help you, awesome. And if not, you know what? That's cool too. And I'll point you somewhere where maybe you can get the help you need. Fantastic. Alex, thanks so much for your time. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for listening to this episode of the NZ Sales and Marketing Insider. If you liked it, you can follow the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or your favourite podcast app for fortnightly episodes. For other great New Zealand podcasts, head over to podcasts.nz. And if it's IT expertise you're after, then make your way to gorillatechnology.com. See you next time.